a friend sent this to me a while back as a text message, and uh, I wanted to uh, read it to you because um, this was, I don't know, it was something that, that's, that struck me, and, uh, and, and so a, a person that I interact with, I do, we do studying together and things like that. It's uh, something that he read, and so we'll share quotes back and forth or sections of things that we're reading. Um, So it says, imagine you're standing on an island, looking at water on all sides. You think that this little piece of real estate, which represents your capacity for love, is all there is. Then you have your first child. And a bubbling happens off in the distance, and a giant new island appears. You realize that the new island was a part of your heart all along, just submerged. And then you think you could never love another child like this one, but you look off to the left and a brand new island appears, your second child, and your heart expands even more. You're not borrowing from or shutting down other parts to feel more love. It's an additive process, like reclaiming land from the sea. I think uh, today, as we share, you know, our Christmas series in Luke's gospel, it's, it's, it's a perfect segue because Luke's gospel and his portrait of Christ is about an expanding heart. It's about uh, the capacity to love um, more than your own island, more than your, your, your own people, more than even, if I could say this, more than even your own family. So Luke's gospel, when he writes, um, he says some really, really different things than Matthew did. Certainly we talked about Mark at the beginning, how Mark didn't even have a Christmas story at all. Um, I was telling the ladies at the Advent that uh, I had uh, found some of the lost gospels you heard about. And they have some scenes in there that have been edited out, you know, like in, in Luke's gospel, he talks about the shepherds, you know, and they get this uh, moment where the angels appear to the shepherds. And the, the part they cut out is when the shepherds come to see the baby Jesus. And Mary says, uh, could you please sterilize your hands over here? You know, it's the sheep that I'm worried about, right? And as they come in, they, they, they bring their, uh, the, the wise men in, Ma- in Matthew's gospel, they bring their gifts and the shepherds sing their song of praise. But Luke's gospel was very specifically trying to do something. And um, in Matthew's gospel, he writes to um, a, a group of uh, believers. You have to remember the earliest believers were Jewish. Uh, they weren't Christian. They were just all Jewish people who sat in a different part of the synagogue. All right? or went to a different midweek Bible study. Or, but they were all part. They were all Jews. And uh, so as the Gospels were being written, they, were, they would sit and talk about Christ, and they would fit Christ into their story, into their Jewish story. But by the time you get to Luke's Gospel, which was written later, it's much more, um, what's the word you would use? Cosmopolitan. Um, Matthew's is very Jewish in nature, and Luke's starts to open up a bit, a little more inclusive. So just as an example, how many of you here, like, 
because you're not at Catholic service this morning, you're in a little bit of trouble with your family. I mean, you know, it's like you know, mom's a little disappointed in you and uh, grandma's a little, you know, upset and they're worried about you. And, and honestly, and some of them, I don't mean to totally be funny, but I mean, some of you, they're honestly worried that you're going to hell, right? In fact, I've told, I've, many people at Orchard Group have told me this. They said, I go to Catholic church on Saturday night and then I come here on Sunday morning. I have to go there to get credit, right? And <laughs> uh, whatever reason they come here. But if you moved away, this is important, if you moved away from your family tradition a bit, you know, you're worshiping, in our context, you're, you're, you're worshiping God, you're celebrating Christ, but you're different from your family tradition, there is some tension there. Um, you know, you're, you're not dressed up enough, you're not this enough, you're not Catholic enough, you're not Methodist enough, you're not this enough. And that, that created some tension. So in the early going, you have to remember this, they're all Jewish. They grew up in church, quote. They grew up in synagogue. Now when they start seeing something different, Christ expanding their hearts and their minds, and they they're, they're love their tradition, they love their upbringing, they love their heritage, they love their Jewish scriptures, but they've also found something. So they don't leave. This is the thing you need to understand. Many people have this misunderstanding that they all just got up and left, started building buildings with crosses on them. No, that's not what happened. They continued to wor- worship together on the Sabbath, but they had a new perspective because of Christ. And it wasn't for a lot of years, generations, generations, generations later, that they even pulled out of the synagogue. They added on a Sunday. They, what we believe in history is they added on a Sunday celebration as well because of they wanted to celebrate uh, Christ in a different way. And so they added this on, but they never left the, the Sabbath in the synagogue. Now, this is important, and it's important for a lot of reasons. Where you were brought up, how you were grounded, how your parents were grounded, your tradition is an amazing thing. That's the island. And it's a beautiful island. It's a place that you grew up. It's what you know. It's like macaroni and cheese for the soul, right? It it helps you on the inside. There are people that they can't come here. They can't come here. They can't come here because it doesn't look like a building that they grew up in where they met God and they can't cross over. And I understand that. I can't afford to build one like the building that they met God in. So here we are, building C, right? Some of you, you walk in here and this just feels like an old pair of jeans to you and you were home the minute you walked in. But I get it. I get it. I get that if you get a real tall ceiling and this spire that went to the sky and certain things, that it would evoke certain, like a comfort food for certain people. Think about it in that context as you think about these young followers of Christ. They have no intentions of leaving their Jewish heritage, none. They just have found someone who became to them their long-promised Messiah. And so they sought to just weave in. Matthew, in his gospel, ties it all together for a Jewish follower. But now, ready? Now what's happened is now we're in a different city. Some scholars believe that, let's say, the Gospel of Luke sort of originated in the city of Caesarea. It's a, it's a metropolitan city, cosmopolitan city, a lot of different people, a lot of different faiths, a, a lot of different backgrounds. And into the Jewish synagogue, I don't know if you knew this or not, started to come these Gentiles. So you had Jewish people who grew up, and then you had the Gentiles. They call them God-fearers. 
Um, and they would come in and they liked, the, the Jewish faith was appealing to them. They didn't buy the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel, but they sort of, there was a lot about it that they really liked. And so you started to have this wider group. And Luke tries to help everyone see Christ as for everybody. Let me tell you something. That is one difficult task. Now, if you know a little bit more, what you know is the Gospel of Luke has a sequel, right? Just like Rocky has 17, right? There's a sequel. It's called the book of Acts, right? So the story continues. And if you read the book of Acts, so the gospel of Luke would be about Christ and then Acts would be after Christ when the church and the the followers of Christ spread the message. There's a theme. And if I could give the theme a name, it would be love for everybody. Luke in the book of Acts describes the tension. The tension that happens when you're trying to hold on to your old faith. Think here but include other people. And every, every thinking, feeling person in this planet has felt that tension at some point in their life. Your whole world was this little Baptist bubble, you know what I mean? And you grew up in this, and everybody's Baptist, and that's all good, and everybody believes, and everybody nods and says amen, and you say God is good, and everyone says all the time, and you say all the time, and everyone says God is good, and it all works until you went to college. You had a room with the Methodist. What the heck's wrong with these Methodists? They don't know anything. They don't know anything about God or the Bible. They don't know anything, right? And then, then, then you met a Presbyterian, right? God forbid a Presbyterian. They're not into it. They go to church like this. Then you go on. Then you met someone else. Then you met a Muslim. And all of a sudden, your world gets rocked a little bit because there are all these other things. And all you ever knew before was your island. Your island. Is your heart, the question is, capable? You go home for your first Christmas break from college. Everybody's saying God is good. And the family says all the time. And then the family says all the time. And then you say God is good. And, and it feels like, oh, this is good. This is comfort. This is what I knew all along. This is what's right. And yet there's this part of you that goes, but I don't know that God doesn't love that person too. Because I spent a lot of time with them. Of course, the Christmas story is about the birth of Christ, Luke's gospel. It says, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Bethlehem, the, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there with Mary to register. They were pledged to be married, and she was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room. Certainly, Luke's gospel is trying to make room. Make room. And I think if there's a message and a story of Christ at Christmas that Luke's trying to give us, it's this. 
could you make a little more room? You may think, oh, my island's big enough that I, I could never love another. This is it. And then another one appears, right? And then another relationship appears. And then another something. And all of a sudden you find out, you know what? Your capacity to love is actually much bigger than you ever thought possible. Think about this. How many have ever changed your mind about somebody? I look at this. Look at I, you, I know I was not, that was that's a non-lovable person over there, right? That, this is this guy is a no-go. And all of a sudden, you know, whatever it was, time, or you you had an interaction together, or they surprised you in some way. And what I'm trying to say is that it feels like you're going to have a limit to the love. And what Luke, this is listen. What Luke was trying to do for these people who were first reading his gospel is, I think what Luke was trying to do was he was trying to get their hearts to be as big as God's. He goes on to say, this is not accidental. There were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. You know this, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Even if you haven't read Luke's gospel, you've seen Charlie Brown. And they were sore afraid, as he said. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for, does anybody know this part? All people. Let's say it together. One, two, three. All people. All people? Luke is expanding. He's saying this is for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. There's no room. And then he focuses on, this is for all people. If you've read, fast forward into Luke's sequel in the book of Acts, the church struggled and wrestled and went back and forth and back and forth with, how do we include all people? It gets to a climax. It comes to a, uh, as they say, things come to a head. You ever have to have a family meeting? Anybody ever? Huh? I grew up, my brother Stu, he always used to have to go home for a family meeting. We're like, what's going on, Stu? Family meeting. Oh, Lord. You know what I mean? And they get everyone together and they say, someone was getting in trouble. There was a new, the new thing was going to happen. Things would come to a head. Family meeting. So in the middle of Acts, Acts 15, they have a family meeting. Here's what the meeting's about. All of these Gentiles are coming into the church. The church is Jewish. But you have all these Gentiles coming in. And they don't know the tradition. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Some of you who grew up in a certain type of a traditional church are very irritated at some things that happened in Orchard Grove. I won't look. <laughs> you just are. You, you're like, why do they let that happen? Why is there coffee in here? Why is it? They're disrespecting this. Or, and it upset, and I'm trying to upset you. Uh, trust me, I don't ever try to upset any. I don't go out of my way to upset anybody. But it just upsets you. Be- why? Because of the way you, What? grew up and these things and these values that you had and, and those aren't bad values so you have, if you're Jewish you have all these things and there's law after law and rule after rule and custom after custom and now these Gentiles are coming in and instead of celebrating look at this they were agitated they were irritated well they don't, they're not doing this they're not following this custom and they aren't doing this right 
So finally you have to have a family meeting. You got Paul out there just dragging Gentiles in left and right. You know what I mean? You got Peter there. Everybody's going at it. And, and so they kind of try to get the family together and they have it out. Acts 15. What are we going to do with these Gentiles coming into the church? For those of you Catholics, you know, because you, you tend to have a high tradition, what are we going to do with all these non-Catholics coming in here, screwing up our faith? And we kind of like it, but hey. And they have to make a decision. And they make a decision, and if you, if you read Acts 15, they, have, they send this letter, and you know, it's, it's just, it, it, honestly, it, it seems a little random, the things that they picked. Well, just tell them they welcome, but... Try to not, you know, eat the blood of strangled animals, things like that, in the atrium. They write that. You know, they write these things down. And when you first read the list, you think, this seems pretty random. And, and, and when they sign the letter, they say, it seemed good, this is important, it seemed good to the Spirit and to us. What was this letter? This letter was a letter of reconciliation and common sense. This was, you know what? I think if we did this, this wouldn't be that offensive for the Jewish brothers. But the Gentiles could still kind of do their thing. And maybe, maybe this would help us all sort of just keep following and get along. And it says you would do good to take care of these things. That was it. Why is that in the middle of the book of Acts? I think it's in the middle because this is a tension that everyone feels about their tradition. This is a tension that everyone feels about their faith. This is a tension that you're going to feel when your kids are, are distant from your faith that you brought them up. It's a tension that, that you might feel if you were brought up in a strong tradition and you're, you're going to go home at Christmas and your parents are going to go, you're doing what? You're at Orchard Who? There's not this, there's not that. There, I, I can't tell you, when I, when I started, how many things that people came up to me that were, that were Christians and they told me all the things that our church wasn't. Like when you, when you start, ready? When you start a church and you have this, guess what you have? This, you have nothing. Where's the ba- baptistry? What are you kidding me? There's a lake. Just get, a, get over there. Get or not. You know what I mean? Where's this? Where's this? People kept saying, I'm like, I, what, what, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't snap my finger. It just doesn't, it's not going to happen that way. So th- this is important. But to understand where they came from, this is where you come from. This is, this is to me what, it, what it's about. It's Luke's gospel is trying to say he's for the world. Now listen, I'm not saying that love in the home isn't special. God knows this week changed my life forever in that regard. God knows the last thing I wanted to do was to come here and have a boring conversation with all of you. When I could be staring at a little girl breathing. Do you know what I mean? I have a couple of friends who go, oh, I didn't like that fair. They're like, well, they got three and they can play. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Just to, just to stare at someone breathing? Well, I, I couldn't think of anything more entertaining in my life right now. 
and I'm an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> I think home love is unbelievably special. All my buddies joked with me, your life is over. You better golf now, right? When they found out I was about to be a dad. Golf now. Your life is over as you know it. And all I can say is great. Now listen, I didn't know. People joke with me about how are you going to be? I said, I, don't, I have no idea. I don't, I don't like gross bodily functions. I'm thinking, I'm going to be the guy, I'm going to be the dad that's going to be the great excuse maker when it comes to diapers. I could tell you from the bottom of my heart, it hasn't, I, I, it hasn't bothered me the slightest, the, 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 the smallest. It's been a privilege of my life to change those little diapers. And I, I can just say that honestly. Say, well, how would that be? I don't know. I won't want to do it for yours. So don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't take me wrong. But why? No, why? Why is it that that's the truth? I don't care. Because that's the, the love that starts on your own island. Are you with me? Now, this is so important. I hope we can get here. The love that starts on our own island can expand. I don't think the love that starts on our own island even though it's special, needs to be exclusive. The love that starts on our own island is exclusive for some people and it should be representative. Do you get it? It should be special, but it also should be a sample. Can I say one more thing? Holding this little baby... Five pounds and 14 ounces. Just listen. I took a couple whacks at original sin, this idea that many people grow up with in church. I took a few whacks at it this year, if you've been paying attention. Do any of you really even listen to what I say? Or do you just, <laughs> most of you just listen to the stories, and I'm like, I don't know, I think you threw a verse in there or something. I don't know. But how did the story end? That's how. I mean, I took a few hard whacks at original sin, this idea that you're born and you're a sinner and you're this. That was before. Now I really believe in original sin. No. <laughs> now, I honestly wonder how anyone could ever believe that. Ever. And if you think... If you think there's ever a time in my entire life where I'm going to grab that little girl and say, you are born in sin. You are nothing but a wretch. You've got another thing coming, which makes Orchard Grove distinctive. And I get that. We're not distinctive because the building's ugly. We're not distinctive because there's coffee stains everywhere. That's not what makes us, that's not our goal. Our goal is to say something that needs to be said. That God's love is expansive. And that God's first glance at us is not wretch or sinner. Even though I love the tune of Amazing Grace like the rest of us. You know, sort of like you love Amazing Grace if you're American. But in the middle of there it says who saved a wretch. You know, every look here. You're not a wretch. Have you screwed up a couple of things? Sure. 
The guy who wrote that song, you know, he owned a slave trading ship. Do you think when he was getting the pen out late at night and God turned his life around that he had a few vocabularies for himself? He said, a wretch like me. I'm sure he felt that way. But it's almost like we beat ourselves into this position. And nothing could be further from the truth that God's love for us from the first... Now, I want to say one more thing. As I was sitting there holding this little baby, I said, you can't tell me. You can't tell me that the love that a person feels for this little baby is different no matter what the baby's skin color is or where their parents grew up. If they grew up in Harlem, if they grew up in Tennessee, if they grew up in Dubai, if they grew up in Pakistan, it's the same little innocent child. And this idea of dividing off countries and people and backgrounds and histories was never part of the original. The original, hear me? What did I say? Original. People oftentimes, they get on me because I'm not like their grandma's faith. And I go, I know, I have a grandma. Are you with me? And I, I get that I honor my, if you know him, I honor, she will be here in a couple weeks. I honor my grandma relentlessly. And all of that, what her tradition handed to me. But people always talk about they want old school and old time religion, but we don't, we don't go far back enough. Because the original thing, the original story, was about love and inclusion and welcoming. And the Savior was for good news for most people. Savior has been born for everyone that lives in America. A Savior has been born for everyone who's Baptist. It's for what? The world. Luke opens our eyes to loving the entire world. This process, by the way, listen. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to say something. I hope this will help you. This fits with your heart, but oftentimes wrestles with your head or your tradition or your upbringing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your heart knows to love. Your heart knows to. If you had a little chocolate brown baby up here, right? And we dedicated her. She was a part of Orchard Grove and this family here. You know, here most people, oh, this is so sweet. This is God's little gift and wonderful little child. But somehow, if she grows up in a Muslim home in a Muslim country and you don't get to pick, are you with me? Somehow we've allowed ourselves to say, well, but those people. Christmas is the story of Christ being the Savior of what? The world. The world. If there's ever a time, if there's ever a time in the year when our our minds and our hearts should be open to other islands bubbling up from the sea, It should be now. The great blessing 
that comes to us from Luke's gospel is that he is the savior of all. The story ends in Luke's gospel. The angels leave the shepherds and the shepherds say, let's go to Bethlehem and see. See what has happened. So they hurry off and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. And when they seen him, they spread the word concerning. And all who heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary, she treasured these things up in her heart, it says. It's a story about the heart. I want to ask you a question. This is the tension. And everyone wrestles with it. In my heart, I feel love to everybody. Your most natural inclination is love. Kids grow up, ready, with an inclination to love. They have to learn racism and hatred. They have to learn that. Kids, they grow up, they grow up with a, with a multiracial family. They would, and they aren't taught. They would never see it. You learn racism. You learn hatred. You're taught these things. So we have an opportunity for God to do works to treasure in our heart. Because your heart's saying, love everybody. But sometimes what we wrestle with is we wrestle with what we've been told. Isn't it funny? How we change? Who can say, you know what? I've changed a lot as I've grown. Only three of you? I thought maybe God's been doing something. Nobody, I mean, have you, have you changed like, your ideas about life, about God, about faith, about people? You, we change. It's funny. I couldn't help. I was laughing. I was laughing so much because I was thinking. Um, my friends were like, oh boy, your, your life just got complicated. And I said, you know what? I was thinking to myself, I didn't say this to them, this was you know, months ago, people are telling me, oh boy, oh boy, you better sleep now, oh boy, oh boy, and comment after comment, and I, all I, I remember them all, your life is going to get so complicated, and, and I thought, here I'm holding this baby, and I thought, my life just got so simple. You know what I mean? Because love is so simple. You just know, you know what to do. And if you could... Take the message of Christmas and the baby. It's making it simple again. Life is not complicated. It's very simple. Follow your heart. Make room, right? The in, make room for others. And let, let God help you love the whole world.